Hi, this is Pam, and this is Must Love Food. Thanks for joining me today. And I've got Chris and Teresa, and we are in part three of our series of recipe development. And um, this is a little different uh, because uh, Teresa is our art director and Chris is our photographer. Yet both of these individuals have um, been involved to some degree in recipe development themselves, too. Um, Teresa has done an article on... Um, pasta and both a web article and in the magazine and Chris just collaborated with John to share some of his um, kind of family traditions for our um, our holiday issue for Thanksgiving but um, so we're kind of tweaking it you can share a little bit about maybe if you did have a process in recipe development or kind of maybe your perspective of our recipe development and um, but really what your your behind the scenes is, um, Teresa does photo styling and photo directing and Chris does um, the camera work, uh, both video and still and audio, he, which would include audio and um, all the lighting and that goes into that. And I'm not sure if there's a kind of a research process that you even do. So I think our listeners really are just kind of look, you know, want to see a little bit behind the curtain. So welcome. And um, Teresa, let's start with you, because I think that um, uh, you've done, a, like I said, a, a little bit of development really on your own, and also um, uh, kind of the photo styling, I think, kind of kind of precedes the, um, the photography part. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think our listeners uh, may uh, know too much about photo styling and all that goes into it, mm -hmm. so I just want to maybe give a... Yeah, brief peek behind the curtains, but it's an important part of the art director's job and a process that hopefully goes unnoticed uh, because it touches each image that's in the magazine and my purpose is for each image to look effortless and delicious and some a recipe that people want to make. But um, for example, when the recipes have been decided on for a story, that's when I get to work uh, planning the photo shoots and I'll take the upcoming, uh, Thanksgiving story that you just mentioned that Chris had a big part in, um, with recipe development. John mentioned it, um, in last week's podcast. Uh, he was talking about, uh, creating that and from a recipe development standpoint and also the egg gravy, which he had never heard of. So anyway, I, it's yeah. that we've got some, uh, c continuity here. And that's uh, upcoming in our holiday issue, 144. So first you want to come in with, armed with as much information as possible. You listen to all the comments during taste panel and find out the background of the recipes. In this case, the recipes were inspired by Chris's grandmother, Nan. Do I have that right, Chris? It's actually my wife's grandmother. Okay, your grandmother-in-law, Nan. Yes. And John took that information and developed the sides um, in the old school time-tested spirit of the story, like the egg gravy that you just mentioned. And I'll just say yum and <laughs> check out the holiday issue for that recipe. Um, then I make a plan for the photography, which includes developing the layout with the recipes and space for copy. And I think about the spirit of each individual story. Um, when I'm doing this. Um, in this case, knowing that the turkey recipe uh, is a citrus brine, I wanted to bring in that color palette. 
and thinking about those bright, nice colors, the yellows, the limes, the uh, orange, I wanted this uh, story to be light and bright. So I, I took off from there for the color scheme. And I wanted uh, those colors in the beautifully cooked turkey to really shine. So I intentionally made the background and all the uh, props very light so the colors would of the food would just pop. So next I developed the color palette and have the idea have an idea of the lighting that I want and the angles to shoot the food. And um, I find or draw inspiration images to place in the layout in order to communicate with the photographer and the food stylist. And uh, these temporary images that are placed in the document we call FPOs, which stands for position only. And that will tell anybody that uh, happens to be in the document that the images aren't shot yet. So next is propping. And we have a prop studio here in town where I went props. And I put a photo plan together with a list of props that I choose, that I will choose at the prop studio. And this photo plan helps me keep on track and focus on the selections and get what I want and is a lot better for a budget than just pulling everything in sight. Um, and not to say that once I get to the prop studio, I don't change my mind or see something that I really, really like and want to build around. But um, having a plan is better going in without one and wasting time and money. So and we rent everything there from surfaces to... Uh, backgrounds and plates and silverware and glasses and napkins. So then in the photo studio, we have a team meeting before we start to discuss the shoot, uh, what will be shot, in what order, um, if there's any issues that might come up with the food, uh, what the lighting and angles and where the shadow should come from. And it's so important for all of us to work as a team and have everyone on the same page at this point rather than finding out later that someone wasn't aware of the plans. Um, I always want to be prepared and never, if I can help it, waste the time and efforts of the team. And with food, you always want to be prepared for the food on set. So it will always look fresh and delicious, and that's, after all, why we're there. And when the food stylist prepares the food, I get busy creating the set while that's happening. And we may look at, uh, Chris and I may look at several images on screen uh, to get placement right and lighting right and angles the way we want them. And then when the food gets set, we're ready to rock and roll. Well, it's funny you talk about the food and the timing with the food. It reminds me of something that Lydia, when I worked with her, used to say, you always wait for the pasta. The pasta should not be waiting for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so, well, that's a good segue, Chris. Um, you could, yeah. I think, fill in kind of your, uh, was there anything else, Teresa, I'm sure, sorry? No, that, that, okay. was, uh, that was it in a nutshell. Great. See, in I'm, a nutshell. <laughs> I'm very blessed to work with people I do. Uh, Teresa comes in with a great plan of action, you know, for every shoot that we do. And, and we always do have these collaborations when we start our days uh, to figure out, is there something critical that happens with this food? You know, are we going to work up to a certain point where, we have to break or if there's something during the day that we need to make sure we see all the way through or or to plan for a break because something has to be prepared and what to do with that time. But as far as getting back to the whole point of developing recipes, I'm 
in a very lucky position here at Cuisine uh, in that for the most part, I attend taste panels and provide feedback. Um, You know, I don't have nearly the experience that uh, anybody on the editorial staff or test kitchen development staff has on developing their own recipes or things like that. You know, I mean, for me, it's more hit or miss. And I am very lucky when I'm doing things at home that I have this great catalog of individuals that I can refer to uh, to look for suggestions when I'm doing something and experimenting or, you know, uh, to a larger part, larger degree, though, I end up sampling recipes we create at Cuisine and then I make minor adjustments to those for myself uh, to make them more to my liking or our liking in our household uh, to fit what everybody enjoys here. Uh, uh, we talked to, sorry, we uh, we kind of ended our uh, last week's podcast talking about that very thing that I always recommend people make a recipe, especially if you're maybe not as versed in the kitchen or something, make a recipe once, read the recipe through, make a recipe kind of as it was intended, and then go off on your own. Change it. If you are a family that likes spicy or if you really like one herb over another, whatever it may be, or you thought it needed to cook longer or less. But kind of go through it the way it was intended because most of the people who've put that recipe together have spent a lot of time and energy and have some experience doing that. But yes. Um, So and then, yeah, make it your own. Yeah, I've I've been very fortunate in that. Uh, But then, you know, to peek behind the curtain a little bit more in the photo studio, again, if there's something critical going on with the shoot, Teresa will always communicate with that with me or whoever, whomever's going to be doing the food styling will let us know as a team and let us know what we need to prepare for. But for the most part, uh, you know, Teresa comes with such a completed plan. I'll just discuss with her about the angles on the food that we're going to do. You know, is this going to look great in a profile? Is this something we should see from an overhead point of view uh, or an angle? What's going to accentuate it and make it look the best or, how can we play highlight, you know, how can we get the highlights to play with the food and and really make it look as good as possible, uh, as good as it always tastes? And then I imagine, too, that you probably sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have the greatest plan in the world and then it's just not working. And then you might have to change your plan. It might say, you know what, we really thought this angle was going to be the best, but this is going to work better. Or we're getting more highlights over here or. Yeah, I mean, that sure happened (laughs) (laughs) more than once. (laughs) When that happens, right, Teresa? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, Fortunately, it happens less often than more. but, you know, you do run into those things where a color palette all of a sudden doesn't work with the food or the props and we've got to change on the fly. But, you know, that's where Teresa is awesome. She's got all this experience. And, you know, if she does a 180 on a shoot, you'd never know it by the time we've got it done. Um, you know, there's there's so few instances where we end up having to just bag something. I think that's happened twice in the four years we've worked together on this stuff, Teresa, to my mind. Um, yes. You know, I mean, it, it, it's pretty incredible when what you can do when you're placed in an adverse situation and still come away with something that you feel is beautiful. And that's why I think taste panel is so important because that's your first look at the food and hearing all the comments that are made. That's where I get all almost all of my information uh, 
and then, you know, you can be forearmed. You know, if a food, sometimes when we're at taste panel, a food maybe just looks too brown or, you know, the discussion around it is that, okay, we want to change this, this, and this. And then then you pretty much know what's coming down the pike. So mm -hmm. that's why that is just so important to well, me. Well, and you hear the backstory or maybe yep. um, from there might be a history of, of the recipe or somebody's inspiration or somebody's family. Um, like your your like the whole thing with the Thanksgiving dinner, really yep. it came from your family and, and then it was built sort of around that. And so you try to do pay homage to that kind of thing. But I was gonna ask a question about if you guys not disagree, but have differing opinions on maybe how something is shot or something. I mean, do you sort of say, okay, let's try it this way and then let's try it this way? Or how does that sort of, how do you navigate those waters? Well, we, we certainly do a lot of talking it through um, because if someone has a point um, uh -huh. they want to make, I want to hear it. And, and I want them to hear my point too. And usually we come to a consensus, but it requires a discussion for sure, but I want all of us to stay open. Uh, if something's not working for somebody, then you know that's something we need to definitely delve into. Yeah, that's a, a great part about the team we work with. You know, I mean, hey, you work in this industry, you you meet all sorts of personality types, and there's some people that have no give uh, or can't imagine anything other than what it is they have imagined. And we're able to collaborate really well together. I mean, if there's something that that I'm doing that, you know, just rubs Teresa the wrong way or vice versa, we're able to communicate that uh, to one another and, and find a good workaround or a, a happy medium where everybody ends up pleased with, with the end product. I mean, you know, this is what we deal in is subjective. Uh, Very much so. there, there is no finite, there is no correct answer. Correct. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it's all about feel. And I, I think we do a good job um, navigating one another's opinions and, and uh, making sure, like Teresa just said, uh, everybody's opinion is heard and then we're able to move forward. Yeah, at the beginning of the end of the day, uh, all everybody I think everybody has the same goal just to make the most beautiful uh, food image possible and you oh. know to be honest to be to have it be authentic and 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 um representative of what the recipe is and what it was intended or is intended to be and all but I mean I think everybody has that same goal. And that that's a good point because I think to a man uh, or woman everyone on our staff takes great pride in their work. And we, we are all wanting this food to look fantastic. So, and, and, and taste fantastic. And taste fantastic. <laughs> and I think our, all of our processes, we take great pride in, you know, whether it's on the art side or the edit side. Um, and, and you have to, you gotta respect that. You know, people aren't just saying things to say them. They're, they're saying right. them for a reason. Right. I, I right. think another point to make sure that, that our audience is aware of is that everything we shoot is actually fully prepared. You know, it's not like we do the cheats that you, you know, have always heard about where, where people use glue for milk or things like that. We use 
real food that's cooked all the way. Uh, so it's it that can be interesting. I've worked other places where you don't have to do that. You can have these cheats and workarounds, but we want to have truth in what it is that we do and, and show more accurate representations of what people's end product is going to be. Um, now, we do have a food stylist on set who may meticulously place every green bean or, you know, every ingredient that's in a soup so that it's all visible in the image. But at the end of the day, what we're photographing is exactly what a recipe is and, and prepared that way. Uh, good point. I mean, yes, as an editor and a recipe developer, I'm not thinking about my green beans. I mean, I when I take it to taste panel, I do, I do think about how it's presented because I want it to look very appealing for everyone there because I do think we eat with our eyes and not just, I don't want to just bring something in and willy-nilly kind of throw it in front of people. I, you know, you want it to look good, but you don't go through the painstaking process of what you would do on photo day to blanch every green bean and all of that kind of thing. But, um, and we are a teaching magazine. So we do want to take help people to have success at home. And so we don't want to give them false hopes that something should look like something and it's never going to. Uh, we just try to do the best we can with the reality of the recipe that, that we're working with. Yeah, very much so. Um, let me ask you, Teresa, especially with the, the pasta that you developed, um, I mean, that was, that was probably was, how did that feel for you to kind of work on that and do the whole kind of the kit and caboodle from the beginning to the kind of end process of all of that? Did you enjoy that? Well, yeah, it turned out very satisfying, but it was also a little scary. It was a cover judged, folks. <laughs> <laughs> to be judged by your, your peers. So, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> I know, uh, you know, me, that, you know about that every day. <laughs> I know about that every day. And, and also on the edit side, too. Our copy is read and, and nitpicked. And <laughs> yes. Exactly. But especially because the, that uh, pasta recipe was from my childhood and and from my family. And it, it was kind of doubly scary. Like, you know, of course, I love this, but is everyone else going to love it? too i had no idea yes they do <laughs> well that was a funny thing that we also talked about on on last week's podcast with robin and john and that was about not developing family recipes and bringing exactly. that in and i have done that myself where i have done and maybe i modified it before i brought it in but it takes a big departure sometimes from what you start with and what you grew up with to what ends up being in the magazine and then you have to be okay with that you have to sit there and say right. okay it's mine when i want it the way i want it at home and and sometimes it's better uh, or it's just different <laughs> it's different you know and it's just and sometimes you're just trying to please a lot of palates right that's a good way to look at it like it i brought it in here it's mine but i realize because i've been doing this for a lot of years that it may change and that's okay <laughs> yeah i can still you know have mine at home Right, right. Um, so you were really working off of something that you kind of knew and were familiar with in that process. Right. But um, I mean, it had to have been kind of fun, I would imagine, to take a, a recipe from the beginning all the way to the end to the cover of um, our fall, September, October issue 143. <laughs> yes, and I, actually, I, I, I think that's a that was it was such a great experience because I even uh, Chris and I together we did all the steps and 
the step shots on just the two of us. And <laughs> it was, it was very cool, but I did have Robin, um, who is one of our, uh, food stylists. I did have her make the cavatelli. So I was sure that it uh, was like going a back to, test. Exactly. That it was going to turn out, uh, you know, for our, our audience and our readers. So, yeah. and I was, that, that actually was the best part of it that when she made it and, she did such a great job and her pasta dough is like amazing. Um, so I, I, that gave me the biggest thrill that when she made it like, wow, this actually turned out great. <laughs> I mean, I've been making this since I've been making this uh, dish since I was, uh, I don't know, you know, 10 years old or so Yeah. ever since I could, you know, get pots and pans together. So, so it was, it was actually thrilling when she made it. Well, that's a good point because you could make it in your sleep and you'll read the recipe and, and might not even realize where things need to be filled in. But somebody reading it cold who doesn't do this, that's where right. you, you trying to figure out, am I communicating this clearly enough that somebody at home can replicate this and follow? And, yes. And, yeah. I, and I tried to think it through and, you know, all the measurements uh, that gave on the steps, I had to step back and actually measure them because, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's about this thick. Uh -huh. like, what, actually, how thick is that? So. <laughs> yes. You can't say it's the size of my right. key. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Tomato, tomato. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> At least in my opinion, I'm happy for anybody to back test Teresa's cavatelli recipe <laughs> at any time. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fun process and, and neat to see Teresa just kind of glowing as it's going on um, because, you know, it, it's something that was near and dear to her heart and to see it be so successful and everybody on staff enjoying it as much as she did was was kind of neat to see. Well, and I'm sure you must feel somewhat similarly with um, seeing your Nan's um, egg gravy make it into the pages, which I know it's it's John's version. And and, and the whole kind of, um, I think he did a riff even, I'm not even sure how closely he followed or not followed your turkey, um, the, but. The turkey recipe, he followed pretty closely to what uh -huh. I, uh, okay. Nan's egg gravy was definitely a departure, but it was still, you know, it, it, ended up as a very good finished product. Um, you know, everybody was pleased with it. I mean, I actually missed the the tasting day, oh. but when I was back in the studio the next day, everybody's like, oh my God, I thought that egg gravy, it, it didn't look the greatest, but then I tried it and it was incredible. <laughs> I said, that's exactly what I thought the very first Thanksgiving, I went to my wife's family uh, and it was, well, the first Thanksgiving I spent with them, it's like, well, that's a very different gravy. And by the end, I basically wanted to eat it just as a soup. <laughs> Chris, you should have seen us all at Taste Panel. I wish we could have filmed that because when John brought that egg gravy out, you should have seen our faces. And we, we all said, egg hmm. gravy? Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yes. And then by the time we tasted it, we were all huge fans. Well, it, didn't take, it only took one spoonful. <laughs> For us Northerners, it's it's a departure from the norm. Uh, right. You know, Nan is from Texas, and this was a very traditional thing for her. And and you is know, it a Texan thing, or do you know if it's Texan or just Southern? I think it's mostly just Southern. Okay. 
I assumed Southern, I really didn't know. Um, yeah. But that was one of the things that I loved too, the fact that it was new for us. And, and John had talked about this in a previous podcast, how kind of, you know, coming up with ideas for Thanksgiving, it's this, you feel like it's the same old, same old every year. And it is, that is one of the more challenging bits to do on, on development sometimes is to make something new and fresh or give it a tweak. And this whole, I mean, I love the story, the whole story of this. And it was, it was very much a family story and a kind of a, a place of, of coming from love and um, that we were all introduced to something new and hopefully our readers and listeners um, are intrigued and uh, we'll give it a go. We all, yeah, I hope the same thing. And Nan is famous now. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm eager for her to get a copy of the issue in her hands so she can see it and then she'll probably deride me that it varies greatly from her own oh. recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell her she's the cover too of our yeah, house. She is the cover. Well, and uh, and your cavatelli is your nonna's. It's kind of really That's came right. from right? That's how right. Sweet, how sweet it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your um, kind of uh, behind the scenes of uh, the world of recipe, the world of pictures, and the world of styling. And um, come back next week when we've got uh, more must-love food for you. And until then, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Pinterest. Take care. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom cuisine at home branded kitchen tools such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at cuisineathome.com.